This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Happy Monday! We are back with Let's Go There. I'm Shira. And I'm Ryan. And people are freaking out on social media. No, I mean, we all are. Yes. I mean, I I feel like I'm ready for this day. I feel like Instagram and WhatsApp and Facebook being down, it's going to happen at a certain point. We better get ready. Just like for the earthquake in California. Who wants that to happen? I mean, Facebook I don't care about because that gives my, you know, your your grandmother and your uncle something to do besides being on the misinformation that is that platform. Um, But, I mean, Instagram? How many times am I reloading and trying to figure out? I wonder, what is your Instagram currently stuck on? I know. I should go. the first post? That person's very lucky. Because that's the only post, right? What's if the first post, post? I need. Oh, this is not opening. Okay, I'm going to my post. It's someone in lingerie. Oh, okay. Hey. Let's see what mine is. I'm gonna see. Oh, what actually, mine is. it's updated. Oh, did it update? Yeah, it seems like it's are updated. We, uh, this is a live moment. Holy now, mother, we are back. No, we're not back. Actually, it's. I'm seeing a refresh. few things that refresh. My first thing is Beyonce's mom oh. posting a video of some white baby. Wow. Yeah, I don't know what it's talking about, but. So Instagram's he, down. Here's the thing. I feel like life gets simpler. Oh, when, yours is. Producer Vanessa's uh, is white. It's all falling like apart. Like completely. I mean, this is the worst, um, what's it called? Mercury retrograde that we've I was like, about to say, ever experienced. It happens that we are in Mercury retrograde. I have no computer. All technology is just to crap. We might as well just call it a day and take a break from life. I did this morning. You know, it's actually refreshing not to have a computer if you think about it. That's what I was going to say. I... What it's made me realize whenever these things go down, it kind of makes everything simpler, right? You just realize, like, if you don't have all these extra things, you don't need to worry about it. And it's one no, less thing to worry about. You should. I, that just honestly sounds like you're sweeping it underneath the rug. Oh, I'll and... sweep that deep under that rug. Wow, imagine your dirty rugs. I'm just going to move. Your rugs are just disgusting. <laughs> I'll leave that for someone else. Like a TLC hoarder episode. <laughs> well, we've got lots coming up on the show today. Uh, since you don't have social media, hang out with us. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, the study, <laughs> The study about microaggressions in queer youth and how it impacts mental health. Plus more speculations surrounding new music from Adele and the T-Report in a moment. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though. The Biden administration is allowing a plan to move forward for raising a pride flag and installing a permanent flagpole in Christopher Park right across from Stonewall Inn and on federal property um, that is encompassed by the Stonewall National Monument. This is amazing because, as you might remember, under the Trump administration, activists weren't able to raise a flagpole or pride flag at all, despite many requests with the National Park Service that were ultimately not accepted. 
And President Biden also today is calling out Republicans for refusing to help raise the debt ceiling. The meteor is headed, is headed to crash into our economy. Democrats are willing to do all the work stopping it. Republicans just have to let us do our job. Just get out of the way. You don't want to help save the country. Get out of the way so you don't destroy it. Period. I added that. That wasn't Joe Biden, by the way. (laughs) Just in case you were confused. (laughs) Uh, Well, Senate Republicans led by Minority Leader Mitch McConnell have uh, twice in recent weeks blocked action to raise the debt ceiling, saying they do want action but will not help. That's helpful. Then Republicans say Democrats can use a parliamentary maneuver known as budget reconciliation to act alone. But top Democrats have rejected that approach, too. So that's where we're at. That was just trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, my God. Oh. I know there's everything's happening terribly in Mercury retrograde, but at least Adele's coming to save the day. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. And I think our queen is coming back because, honey... The signs are all pointing to it anyway. Uh, oh. The singer appears to have confirmed the rumors that her up, her upcoming album is coming sooner than later, uh, changing the photos on her social media platforms to a blue backdrop, which, honey, she got that in right before the, um, <laughs> you know, the shutdown of yeah. our, all social media, you know. Um, this comes right after billboards with the number 30 were written on them beginning to spring up around the world, which fans immediately connected to new work from the now 33-year-old as it follows the pattern of her previous albums. The billboards um, appeared in a number of major cities around the world, including London, New York City, and Paris. And in some cases, 30s were beamed onto iconic landmarks such as the Love. Is that is the Louvre? The Louvre. The Louvre. Louvre. The Louvre. Yes, exactly. And the Coliseum and the Empire State Building. It was later tweeted that one of the projectors being used had apparently been contracted by Sony, which is her label. So oh. she is coming. The year of depression is among us. I'm very excited. The year of depression? Yeah, she's going to be singing a sad song. You know, she just Wait. went through a nasty divorce. Okay, so we are all in this together. You know, Casey Musgrave just released her depressing album. This is the year of sadness. Yeah, because yester- uh, yesterday, last year, yeah. was the year when they were working on it. That makes sense, for the past few years. Well, she's been working on her probably album for the past five years, because it's been a five-year gap. Got 25, it. 30. Man, I'm excited. Uh, appreciate that. I'm excited for the uh, the next stage. Hopefully, out of the depression. Uh, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I, you know, maybe we'll see. She's happy now. We'll see. So there you go. It's Thirty-five is our next one. Happy. Next up, a Facebook whistleblower has revealed herself. The accusations against the company and how this could impact them next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So, of course, Facebook and Instagram are down right now, but that's not the only reason that the company is in the headlines. This is all coming out in a very interesting, timely way, because over the weekend, Facebook's whistleblower came out and revealed herself publicly. Uh, This woman's name is Frances Hodgen. And her revelations have recently led to the congressional investigation into the company, public hearings with execs, and a lot of extensive reporting in the Wall Street Journal um, about the social network's harmful effects on young children and teens. Uh, She also spoke to CBS's 60 Minutes yesterday, and here's a clip. And one of the consequences of how Facebook is picking out that content today is it is optimizing for content that gets engagement or reaction. But its own research is showing that content that is hateful, that is divisive, that is polarizing, 
it's easier to inspire people to anger than it is to other emotions. Misinformation, angry content yeah. is enticing to people it's and keep, keeps them on the platform. Yes. Facebook has realized that if they change the algorithm to be safer, people will spend less time on the site, they'll click on less ads, they'll make less money. Well, there you have it. That was Francis Hodgin, the Facebook whistleblower, a former product manager on Facebook's civic integrity team. It's good to know she has some integrity. <laughs> I think. And just being on that team does not mean you have integrity. She's come out now, I guess. But I think what right she's doing is very brave. And yeah. as a woman in the tech industry, I think she's doing something that is huge uh, in, in letting the world know what's actually happening in this company, right? Because I think Facebook has has been really in some deep crap since, I mean, what, forever at this point? It feels like from the election and and, and the past couple elections, finding out how they were involved Mm -hmm. and a lot of things are how they let a lot of things happen and they weren't aware to, you know, now understanding that they knew all about the, the... the, the things that could occur that affect, you know, young people in the way that they look at themselves because of social media. And that, you know, we already know Facebook really isn't isn't crap. And when I say Facebook, I'm I'm also talking about Instagram because they're all one house right yeah. now, right? Um, and so it it feels like this is a really big moment in the sense of like I'm happy that she is kind of letting the world know clarification like this is actually happening like let me just go ahead and confirm this for you all like this is it you are all right in thinking what you think um Mm -hmm. but i just am worried about like is this really affecting going to affect facebook because according to the new york times the company stock price has risen nearly 30 percent in the past year right It, it doesn't really feel like it's going it's going through anything it's been lifted by strong advertising revenue like facebook is still growing in a lot of different companies countries right it's, it's down yeah. it's down now it's down today of course, it's down now yes. of course but it's still growing right and i i wonder as this big corporation that is a private entity and then they have third party people who are on the app it's like 1.6 billion active users at this point how do they how are how do you get it under control it feels like it's a big snowball that's just going down the mountain and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger what how do you control that at this point i don't know yeah so if i was facebook right now i'd be i would actually be very worried because i think that they're going to be used as an example for the the negativity of what these social networks are, right? And like the negative effects. We all know all these platforms have that, but it just happens, yeah, as you mentioned, they own one of the biggest ones, plus Instagram. I mean, Twitter is is smaller, there's YouTube, and, and YouTube definitely has been called out in Google, but Facebook could be used as the example. And people have been looking for someone to be used as the example, right? Including the government. But Facebook has put themselves in that position to be used as an example because they're not trying to do anything other. Like, they keep being put, called in front of Congress, you know, to be interviewed and and, and tested, you know. It's just like, they're not doing anything to try to change how how they maneuver because they don't care. Yeah, because they think they can probably get away with it. Right. So, yeah, and Senator Richard Blumenthal compared the company's tactics to those of big tobacco. When a senator says that, I mean, this is similar. I mean, a lot of the senators don't even get technology. And they talked about, you know, in the congressional hearings, like Finsta, they acted like they created the Finsta product. So there's an obviously disconnect of generations here. But to compare those tactics to big tobacco really shows where their minds are at, that they're going to target Facebook 
as the company to teach a lesson to and to actually the regulations we've been wanting those to come right. like we've been waiting and tech has progressed so quickly that the government unfortunately didn't keep up with it i think we're finally at a time where we're going to see some regulations very soon and it's going to be because uh, facebook's going to be like the the nail in the coffin for that yeah. and so i i would be worried that said if they're smart and they do have the money and the minds behind it you would hope they pivot, but the problem is, is they are so in so deep at this point, and they're also denying it. They're saying that it's untrue, that it's sensationalized, and so with that, which is ridiculous because the proof is in the pudding. And I, I do want to add this yeah. as well. I think it's really interesting that how all of this being wrapped around, yes, children in some cases, but if you ask any eleven-year-old to sixteen, seventeen, even nineteen-year-old about if they're on Facebook. They're saying that's for old people, right? And I, it's really interesting how we see in congressional hearings, like, you know, they're really wrapping this up and naming it, you know, promising to protect young kids. And it's just like, I, I sometimes I feel like the government loves to wrap things around protecting young kids as like that's what they're trying to do to get things done but it's also like kids aren't on Facebook well it's also because it's an emo- it's a, it's a <laughs> it's way to emotionally target people yeah. adults will will move towards something and vote for something if they feel like it's helping the next generation yeah right it's emotional targeting this is what I was talking about Um, I wanted to get the title of the the hearing that's coming up it's protecting kids online testimony yeah. from a Facebook whistleblowers you exactly know? So- and I'm just like what So they're going to use that. However, you know, with them owning WhatsApp and Instagram, I think it's like an overall thing, actually. And I'm surprised they've even were able to buy all that because of non of uh, the competition clause or like uh, monopoly. Yeah. Right. Because they're basically monopolizing the market. Google was also targeted for that. Do you think, though, real quick, do you think Francis is career is over because she's a whistleblower i mean here's the thing let's be honest about the tech industry when it comes to being a minority a marginalized community there if you are not a cishet white person a white guy man in that industry it's hard for you and so i wonder yes she's a whistleblower i think it's it's a brave and courageous thing to do but i also wonder what the blowback is to that I think 10 years ago, maybe there would have been blowback. Now there's enough companies that are so anti these platforms and anti Mark Zuckerberg. I think so many people would be willing to hire her for that. There's also so many nonprofits in the space and companies actually fighting to make a better version that I I think she'll end up getting, you know, a book and speaking engagements. She could also launch her own company. I think there's a lot more opportunity than there was if this was done five to 10 years ago. Yeah. So I just I that's yeah that that's the reality of it. Uh, so she knew what she was doing, and also guess what? A lot of her colleagues have spoken out about this. While she is the quote unquote whistleblower, there's been a lot of people. I mean that that social well, she's media the first do- person that sat down documentary. And done an interview. They're in the in the what's On the social 60 media? Minutes. Yeah, sixty minutes. But the social media docu- documentary that came up that featured a lot of former uh, employees of all these platforms. Yeah. They were there. They put their face out there. Their name. I feel like this is a big deal and this is a watershed moment. Yeah. At the same time, it's not like this hasn't been done recently. We're kind of like all like, That's okay, true. it's kind of time that someone says something. Yeah. Um, I just don't know if we can stop Facebook at this point. It feels like it's its own monster. And I'm really wondering what that looks like. The only way that it stops is if their stock prices, it hits that. 
So that's the way you can hit yeah. them, is, is that's really the only way. Uh, but next up, the unofficial candidacy of Donald Trump continues. What could possibly happen leading up to the midterms? That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Many reports are coming out that Trump has been talked out of a 2024 candidacy, but that won't stop him from continuing to put himself up as a candidate. Michael Scherer joins us right now, who is a political reporter at The Washington Post. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So Trump is listening to advice. Is that actually happening? Or are we in the twilight zone? No, he often listens to advice. He, he's constantly bouncing ideas off his advisors, and then he can overrule them just as quickly. But but this isn't a totally new ph- phenomenon. What happened was, in August, is uh, Biden was struggling with the Afghanistan withdrawal, and his approval numbers were dropping. Uh, the pre- former president reopened the discussion with his advisors about whether he should just go ahead and announce that he was running in 2024. Uh, and they pushed back, and, and he has, for the moment, decided to, instead of announcing that he's running, just to wink and nod a bunch and, and pretend uh, that he is doing everything but running. Uh, and, and that's sort of where, where, where we're at. Yeah, and I guess, you know, I feel like the Republican Party as a whole isn't really trying to m- maybe separate themselves from him, or do you think they are? Because it does seem... Like, he's, he is struggling to kind of get that approval across the country when it comes to the Republican Party. Well, it's a, that's a complicated question. There's different Republicans trying to do different things. Now, Trump's approval within the party is really high for a former president. It, you know, in Iowa today, there was a poll that showed almost 9 in 10 Republicans approving of him and his record. Uh, other polls happened at, like, 80%. The question of whether Republicans think he should run again in 2024 – the result tends to be lower. Um, so not everyone who approves of Trump and what he did as president wants him on the ballot again. Um, at the same time, you have a number of Republican strategists who are trying to win back the House and the Senate. And to do that, they're trying to expand back into the suburbs that were lost uh, during Trump's presidency, the college-educated voters who sort of rejected uh, uh, Trumpism. Uh, and so they're trying to create some distance, but they can't get rid of the the Trump base, because if they alienate the Trump base, then their hopes of a majority go away as well. So it's a a very delicate balancing act at the moment in in Republican politics. But how are they Mm -hmm. supposed to regain the trust of, like, the voters if all they've been telling them is that voting is rigged? Uh, Well, it depends which Republican you're talking about. Most Republicans who are trying to regain the trust are not saying that over and over again. They're also not distancing themselves from the president, former president, who is saying that over and over again. So it's a little, it's a little tricky. I think, you know, Republicans want people to vote. They want uh, people to get out to vote in the next election. They are scarred by what happened in Georgia earlier this year when Republicans stayed home and elected two Democratic senators in, in a, you know, formerly red state. Uh, so I don't think there's any effort on the Republican side to discourage voting. I think this, this drumbeat that Trump has kept up uh, questioning uh, of the legitimacy falsely of the last campaign is, is sort of a base motivating play. It's trying to get people excited about politics, trying to get people involved, trying to get people to give him money, trying to keep people angry. Um, that's, that's sort of Trump politics 101. He did it in you know, 2015 when he was saying that 
you know, Barack Obama may not have been born in the U.S. and 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 had lied about his birth certificate. I mean, it, this is sort of his 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 approach to politics, and he's doing it again. But but you know, it, it is it is complicating. I mean, it'll be hard if if voters don't vote for their local Republican congressman or you know local their their, their Republican senator because they're sick of all this um, ballot questioning. It will backfire. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't I don't know if that's going to happen, though. So then what could Trump's plan be if he's not going to officially run, but still is out there doing rallies and everything? Oh, I think he is leaning towards officially running. I think you should treat him, you know, for all intents and purposes as someone who is going to run again right now. Um, He's told people privately that he's running. Um, It is Trump. He could change his mind. It may not be certain. There could be a health issue. Something else could come up. But I think at the moment, uh, uh, Trump is behaving like a candidate. He's holding rallies. He'll have a big one in Iowa, of all places, on Saturday. He's raising money like a candidate, although it goes into these uh, campaign finance vehicles that can't directly support a presidential campaign. Uh, He's hired staff in Iowa as if he were a candidate. Although he says that those people are working for him on politics, not only in the state, but elsewhere. He's endorsing candidates uh, like a candidate would at this point oh. uh, he's, and raising money for the midterm election so he can take some credit if it goes well. Um, so, you know, I think I think he's 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 moving forward. He doesn't want to declare a campaign for a number of reasons, but uh, I think I don't think there's much sign that he's going away anytime soon. Mm. Well, Happy Monday. I mean, well, that's the thing. If he wants to run again, there's nothing more that gets like there's nothing more that gets Democrats riled up than a Donald Trump running. So go for it. Let's see who wins. Yeah, we're excited for that. Okay, Michael Shear, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Um, Michael, again, is a political reporter at The Washington Post. We'll be back with more of Let's Go There right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Squid Game is very popular right now on Netflix. Everyone is watching it. 
It's going to become the most watched show in Netflix's history in any language. That is huge. But what is it all about and why are people obsessed with it? I've yet to watch it, but Ryan here binge watched it this weekend. And so this is a little bit of a Ryan Recommends. Okay, so Squid Games, one of the best shows out there right now. I think it's, I don't know, I'm kind of obsessed with it. I, let me break down what Squid yeah, Games can, is about can you first, right? It, please? Because you are right. It is the number one show in about 80 something countries that it's premiered in. It's on Netflix, wow. it's huge. Um, basically, it's a South, a South Korean thriller. Over 450 struggling, debt ridden people are invited to participate in like a mysterious competition, right? To mm-hmm. win about $45.6 billion. What? It's, it's $45 huge. Billion. So it's like- and, that, and that's in won, though. That's in like their, that's in their dollar, right? Oh, okay, so yeah. translating to here, it's only $39 million in U.S. That's still dollars. A lot. So it's basically, they have to do this competition. It's a difficult amount to turn down, even if you like don't have financial problems, because I mean, it's insane. But all all they have to do is basically play, which is like they basically have to play like childhood games that you grew up with, right? Like tug of war, red light, green light, you know, mm-hmm. right? That seems easy. Well, you'll die if you mess up. Like you die. So you either win 39 million, you basically die. And here's the thing. Every time someone dies, more money's added to each each player that dies, more money's added to the pot, right? So it goes higher and higher, which... They end up realizing, okay, well, guess what? I can murder someone, and it gets higher and higher. And so you start to see people turn on each other, teams being divided. You start to kind of see this play out in in crazy different ways. Let me tell you, my stress was on a thousand. I almost didn't finish it. It's about epi- eight episodes or nine episodes long, and um, yeah, I almost didn't make it to the end because I was like just screaming every five seconds, standing in front of my television. Oh, um, I watched it in the original. Korean, because I really, really enjoyed you just it. You save closed captions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and also, you get to hear the actors. Like, oh, the yeah. actors are acting. They are doing the work. And um, it's a really, really great show. I recommend it, for sure. I think you should. I don't know if I really like the ending, but I'm not going to spoil it for you. Don't. But... I recommend you watch it. This is not just another show that everyone's talking about. And the interesting thing about this, the director, right? Mm -hmm. Um, He actually spent, I believe it was, um, he ended up having before, basically it was like a a couple of decades before this, like he was pitching it and he was pitching it to studios and no one said they wanted it. He had to sell his laptop for $650 because that's all he had. And now he has the number one show across all the countries. He's got chills. And so, I mean, it's 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 one of those things where everyone is, I don't know, it's it's really intense. People have been comparing the the show to like the Hunger Games. That's, that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily like that. Wait, actually, it's Hunger Games meets Black Mirror. Yeah, but I don't even know if it's like that. And the director is Lee Jung Jae. Um, but it does put like a deadly twist on childhood games. So if you loved playing tug of war or red light, green light, or um, there's also Korean games that are kind of because it's a Korean show. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's ruined. Your child has destined to be ruined after watching this show. It's just giving me anxiety thinking about it. But the really interesting thing, the last thing that I, I liked, the one thing that I really paid attention to, you start to see the contestants as the, the each challenge, each thing that they have to do, they start to kind of become unfazed by the violence because they, and that's so, that that's was such an interesting. That's the very Black Mirror vibe, like of the reality, our future competition shows. Yeah. Like we've seen Survivor, Big Brother, like how far will they go? Yeah, so, oh my God. God, I like Ryan Recommends. Let's do this often. We will. I have a lot of things I'm watching. Well, let us know if you've been watching Squid Games, what you think about it at LGT Shows, where you can find us on social media. 
Let us know what you recommend us watching. But coming up, it's already here. I can't believe it. The CDC has released their holiday safety protocol. That's next on What's Trending This Hour. We've got lots coming up right here on Channel Q, including more music. But first, more show for you on this Monday. We're going to be getting into the impact of microaggressions among queer youth in 30 minutes. Plus, a country star is calling out Governor Newsom. Ryan will be telling you who that is in the T Report in a moment. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki reacted to Republicans refusing to raise the debt limit. They would do all the votes to raise the debt limit. We are, we are, they are happy to be the adults in the room. They're not even asking Republicans to vote for it at this point. We know they're unwilling to be the adults in the room. They are, un, they are blocking the effort for de, by Democrats to uh, raise the debt limit themselves. So it's pretty clear what needs to happen. Well, Secretary Janet Yellen has said that the precise date that the Treasury Department will run out of cash unless the debt ceiling is lifted or suspended is around... October 18th, but other observers uh, say that that will be a week or two longer, but it is still coming up very quickly. So something's got to give, that's for sure. Now, officials are investigating one of California's largest oil spills, and they're looking into whether a ship's anchor may have struck a pipeline on the ocean floor. Now, this happened over the weekend. It's just devastating. It caused a major leak of crude into coastal waters and basically ruining beaches and the wildlife there as well. The spill sent up to 126,000 gallons of heavy crude into the ocean, contaminating Huntington Beach, the OC, other coastal communities there. The spill could keep beaches closed for weeks or longer. And uh, that was somewhat trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Okay, so let's talk about this. We normally don't talk about country music, but Jason Aldean is calling out Governor Gavin Newsom. Wow. Newsome can't catch a break. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So on Friday, uh, California became the first state to announce a COVID-19 vaccination requirement for all public and private school children. The mandate impacts grades 7 through 12, something that obviously the country star finds outrageous. He said this, quote, so let me get this straight. It is no longer our decision as parents or free Americans to make decisions about our kids. Gavin Newsom makes those decisions for us now. Oh. So he wrote this over the weekend. He also said this. You got to be kidding me. People in California should be outraged and people everywhere else better start standing up and speaking out now. This is not how America and being free works. Um, he also, if you don't remember a few days before that, he made headlines for slamming President Joe Biden. He basically came um, to wife Brittany Aldean's defense after she dressed their toddlers in anti-Biden clothing. Um, Jason sparred with someone in the comments session about it. It's not even really worth going through. Um, he doesn't even live here. He lives in Nashville. Is he like, like what, what are you doing? Your kids are not impacted by this. Nashville is on the same wavelength as you, unfortunately, Jason. So, you know what it is? He probably had to come to LA for some work stuff and he's just like, J- F this. But his states. kids aren't coming. I don't know. Either way, it's just embarrassing the fact that this people keep having these conversations. The mandates are saving lives. Get over it. The data's proving it, the data's showing it. And, dude, you're going to have to get that vaccine anyway if you want to keep performing anywhere. That's true. It's beyond a state <laughs> protocol at this point. Like, it's like you're going to have to. And, yeah, different places. Sorry, definitely. girl. It's the end of the road for you. That's your tea report. I got more coming up next hour. Well, after this, can friendships based on arranged marriage principles work? 
what that even means what? and how it could impact your friendship. Yeah, that's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. An article in the Washington Post brought up the idea of the the concept of arranged marriages being brought to friendships. You know, with loneliness being up among many of us, including during the pandemic, it brings up the question of how do you create friendships or nurture friendships and where do you meet people? Because for a lot of people, it can be hard, including if they're not going out outside, if they're not back at work in real life with people. It's a huge challenge. People only find that out when they're adults because there's no resources or rule book or handbook to help people figure out how to create genuine relationships outside of work. Yeah. Um, And I think that it can be really difficult. Um, It's not the easiest thing. Oftentimes, by the time you're off of work, you're just too damn tired to even want. And if you hate work, you don't want to talk to anybody there because you don't want to be around anyone there. And so... What's your outlet? What, where do you find out what's next? It's not like you're going to go Google, I need a hobby. I mean, but that's actually a big part of it. I think that... That is not a big part of I, it. That doesn't work in the ways that you think it works. So here's... Yeah, I, I could see that. So here's the thing with that. I think that we get so consumed with the life we thought we should live as an adult, which is really like we prioritize work. It, it becomes part of f- focus of our lives, right? Until we realize like, oh... This isn't as fulfilling as I thought it would be, right? And I need that outlet. I need something else outside of it. And a lot of times we associate, I think, hobbies or things that are fun without a goal to being like a kid. And so we we enter our adult years forgetting about the things that we've loved. And so I do feel like, you know, when when I've even talked to my little sister about this, because this came up and... I said, well, what are you doing outside of work? And she's like, well, yeah, I don't have time. And there's a lot to take care of. I was like, well, how do you expect to meet people? One, if you're not going out of your way to, like you need to figure it out. But you got to realize once people are at a certain age, they're tired of making friends. Once you have a small group, which sometimes majority people do, they're not bringing in new people into their friend circles. But the issue was she was saying how she felt a lack of community. Right. So how do you build yeah, that? Because there's already communities out there and people are being stingy with it. They are not going <laughs> to bring you in. Like you have you never heard that say, saying, keep your circles cl- like small. Like that's literally what people do, especially when you find it and you're like, you know, in your 30s or headed to your 30s. Like you're keeping the small group of friends that you have and there's not much room to find new people. Well, I think that's where when you tap into your hobbies or the things you like, you can outreach or join groups. And that's where you ultimately meet that's new weird. people with the same that's passions. Weird. Or no, I don't, I don't think it's that. Have weird. you done it? Yeah. I, I, yes, I have. I think what, what group, um, my personal growth workshops, emotional that's, intelligence that's, workshops. And, and, and so she's talking about the cult. That <laughs> no, she's in. it's not a it's cult. It's a cult that she's in. So here's in. the thing: is that no, I'm and... not part of cult. <laughs> misinformation. That's not misinformation. No, so you check is... the Yelp reviews, and they're saying no, the same thing. No, and so, so that is not that's a group. I mean, that or my meditation practice, the the yoga classes I'm part of, sound healing. Like you just meet people and then you're not going to connect with everyone. It's not like everyone's going to be your best friend. But through those things, you might hear and there that maybe one person here, one person there that you realize, oh, you have a mutual friend or, oh, you actually like like talking about stuff. And so you're going to say like, let's get together or let's continue doing this. Maybe like they'll introduce you to another thing. And so like that's where I've met different people outside of my typical, I would say, professional 
spheres. Like I was really deep in spheres where everyone was doing media work. Like literally every one of my friends at a certain point in my life was like all in my prof- my profession. We'd all talk about work. It was that. all about work. But then there came a point where I was seeking something outside of that. And so that's where I started just finding connections to people that were like-minded that had the same passions. That could be anything. Like you could be someone that when you were younger, you liked art. Okay. So uh, you, you've forgotten about your love of art. And so you join an art club, an art class, and lo and behold, you now meet someone you're having happy hour with them. I did improv one year, right? I was I studied improv. From there, I met a few people that became friends. And for a bit outside of that, we were all getting together outside of that. And it was really nice to like open up my social circle to people that weren't necessarily like typically in the spaces I was in. So I think it's possible. But what this article talks about, which I think is interesting, is if you maybe the hobby thing is a bit outside the norm or that's not something you connect with. There are now kind of groups and clubs popping up that you could find on social media or, or Facebook if it's ever up, you know, uh, or maybe Instagram uh, or, you know, those apps even like we've had the founder of Vina on, which is for women who want to create friendships. It's kind of like a dating app for friendships. There are these places that are popping up that do become like a blind date for friendships. And I'm sure just like dating, some of it will work and some of it won't. But you won't know unless you try. I think it's weird. You think it's weird now, but if you get to a point in your life and or you move to a new city, I'm you might not know people. Are you kidding me? But if you if you did move to a new city, you might uh, find out find people through other friends, and that might be a that's like a blind date too. How I'm not doing a blind date when it comes to friends. I have a question. That's just hanging out. Well, I just did. I mean, I guess technically, well, it's a friend that what? I always knew. It was the, one of the first friends that, and we finally were able to like hang out. We went to go get you know brunch and. That was fun. That was great. We got to know each other even more. Love that. Have you ever been to a city or you're visiting somewhere where you don't know anyone and then you put it on social media? Hey, I'm going to the city. Anyone have friends? They tag people that are strangers and then you just like meet them. Yeah, I've done that. I think that's white people's stuff. No, it's when you're used to traveling, that's the only way you get to know locals is if you find a friend. Yeah, like if you're like traveling to like, like London or something. Yeah. But like if you're going to Portland. Yeah, Portland even. I mean, if you're staying long enough, if you're going there just like for a <laughs> quick, like, for a work I thing. Like if you're just staying there, like normally but if you're that's going what it there is. For, if you are going there for a week or going somewhere, like I'll sometimes just post on social media, hey, I'm in, in this, anyone around or in town. And, that's how you get the killer. <laughs> I'm still alive for now. Well. <laughs> I mean, I, I've actually had the most interesting experiences through friend of friends where there's a bit of a trust because it's someone you, a friend of someone you know, but you meet and... You might keep in touch with him, you might not, but you had just like a really fun drink and then you kind of discover a spot you wouldn't have discovered because you're with a local. But anyway, it's it's all there. I think it's interesting. And I do think more and more people are going to be thinking outside the box about their friendships. I'm not judging it. Yeah. I, I mean, I am judging that. it. Talk to me I'm in, judging in five I'm to judging ten it. years. No, I, I can talk to you about it now. I feel like I've talked on the show about it. About wanting to find relationships and friendships, and I'm doing that, but that was through people that 
I either admired online and we f- somehow found out how to work together and they just blossom into real relations, like friendships. Yeah. And they introduced me to people. But like at a certain age, once you kind of find your core group, like that's what your core group is. Oh, totally. And we have to wrap this, but I, I agree. That's not Listen, fair. I didn't get to say much. I barely. Let's continue. <laughs> so, Ryan, I, you know, like, we, can't. we, I, talk we to can barely. Else. So, we, four I mean, minutes. We can, it's we hard. Can bring it it's up hard to even. Uh, we, you know, our friendship, like, we we barely have time to hang out because we're always hanging out here. But meaning yeah. it can be hard to continue to nurture the friendships you do have. And I agree. I don't need to make new friends. Let's be clear. Yeah. I, like, I have maxed that out. But I'm, I like meeting new people. We don't need to be best friends. Well, that's friends. different. Meeting new people is different than becoming friendships. Like, having And friends I'm open to the possibility that it could be something more. But you won't know unless you just navigate getting to know them. Yeah. Let's move on. On. No, we're going to continue this later in the show. Later in the show, yes. Conversation continues later this hour. <laughs> and if you have any thoughts at LGT shows, right now we have to talk DMs. About depressing things like microaggressions. Yes, and hopefully there's a silver lining <laughs> outside of that. Uh, yes, the mental health implications of microaggressions on LGBTQ youth. We have someone who did a really interesting study on this. Joining us for that next. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. If your day sounds like we need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through. You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It's one thing falling in love with a house, and quite another navigating the world of negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. Guidance from an agent who's a Realtor can make all the difference, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Research has been done examining the impact of minority stress like microaggressions on LGBTQ youth, specifically uh, youth of color. Now, one of the researchers behind this, Dr. Ethan Mirish, joins us right now, an associate professor at American University and a licensed psychologist in Washington, D.C. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me again. Yes, love it. Well, we appreciate you always for letting us know when you're working on something interesting and relevant. So what inspired this specific research? Yeah, so um, I've always been uh, interested in doing uh, research with with queer communities and uh, especially also thinking about intersections of other identities like like race uh, and and gender. Um, And so... um, I collaborated with some colleagues who have, who have access to a great uh, data set that was recently collected with over 10,000 um, LGBTQ youth across the country. Um, and so I wanted to know how microaggression, specifically for queer youth of color, uh, so youth who, are, who may be Black, Indigenous, or other youth of color who also identify as LGBTQ, what are their experiences of microaggressions, and how does that might how does that relate to their mental health? 
Um, so so that, that's sort of where the question came from. Um, and especially since it's a, uh, this, this group is a, a highly understudied group uh, within the research and in general. Um, and, and it's a, unfortunately also a highly stigmatized group as well. So what did you find out in your research? I uh, found out a couple of things. Uh, so first, uh, we've uh, assessed, assessed um, the, the participants, the youth, so about a little over 3,000 of them. So all of those identified as queer youth of color. Um, and what we found, we asked them about their experiences with microaggressions, specifically related to being a queer youth of color. And almost all of them reported experiencing at least one kind of microaggression related to their race and their sexual orientation or gender identity. So that on its own, for me, was um, a, a disappointing but not surprising finding how prevalent these experiences are in their lifetime. Um, and these are youths who are between the ages of uh, 13 to 17 years old, just some uh, context. Um, the other really important finding is that these types of microaggressions were related to their reported depressive symptoms. So um, we, they were correlated. Experiencing these experiences was related to higher depressive symptoms and lower self-esteem and a sense of mastery. So, so feeling like you have a sense of control over your life. Um, so so uh, this finding highlights it's correlational, but it highlights that these experiences aren't just you know, even though they're sometimes subtle, uh, sometimes they're more subtle and very overt, they have harmful, they can have harmful effects on queer youth of color's mental health, uh, especially around depression, uh, their self-esteem and, and other factors like that. So what is the hope with this research? What are you hoping that uh, the takeaway will be or how this will impact like, real life situations or investment into these communities? Yeah, I think there, first, I, first, just you bringing attention to it is really great, and I hope others can, can pay more attention to it as well. Um, I think the first thing is to think about uh, queer youth of color experience types of microaggressions in multiple settings across, across their lifetime. Uh, so I'm talking about experiencing racism within the queer community, experiencing heterosexism and transphobia within their uh, racial ethnic communities. Um, and, and for youth who might be dating or um, wanting to form romantic relationships, being fetishized or, or experiencing um, uh, uh, discrimination when they're, when, they're, when they're trying to find a dating partner. So trying to understand that, um, you know, when we're talking about LGBT rights or talking about queer people of, of color rights more broadly, we sometimes miss the intersection of those identities. And so bringing awareness to... to uh, these groups is really essential. Um, and beyond bringing awareness, really highlighting that these harmful microaggressions can have, can have very negative effects on their mental health. And so we do need to do something about it. So if you notice someone might be committing a microaggression, and oftentimes these microaggressions are um, unconscious. Someone might be committing them without knowing that they're doing it. And so how do we correct someone uh, so that they're not continuing to do it? And so that way a, a youth, a clear youth of color, doesn't have to constantly do the work of having to advocate for themselves or correct someone, because that work is really exhausting. You should talk to all the high schools right now across the country. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Amy. So work with school teachers, administrators, yep. and schools, creating interventions to help minimize these experiences, so addressing racism in schools, addressing heterosexism in schools. Um, there are a lot of great trainings. We know, for example, 
uh, if, if schools have um, a gender sexuality association, so mm. a LGBTQ-specific organization schools, that actually helps queer youth feel better, including queer youth of color. Uh, so how do we create more affirming safe spaces in schools and outside of schools for queer youth in general, and especially queer youth of color? Well, thank you so much, Dr. Ethan Marish, for joining us and for sharing all of this stuff. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yes. Really appreciate you having me. Definitely. Great work. Dr. Ethan is an associate professor at American University, a licensed psycho, uh, psychologist in Washington, D.C. Next up, would you be open to being set up with a friend? We continue to discuss blind friendship dating next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We've been talking about blind friendship dating, being set up on a friendship date. Yes. And if that's uh, how you can start building a community if you don't have one. Yeah. And so what has your experience been? Right. Well, I've never done anything like that, um, but I think I've, I've been vocal on when we've had conversations surrounding around friendships about how hard it is and how hard it can be to find a community, um, especially as an adult and, and especially outside of work. And um, for me, I think quarantine really had me realize a lot of things that I, I wanted to improve on. And and that was like establishing more genuine connections and, and finding more like like-minded individuals and um, it's not easy at all. And I don't really like my therapist. She's like, also like been like, Oh yeah, you can go like, you can, you know, join there's hobby groups. Like she's told me stuff like that too. But I feel like that is just like, <sighs> this is going to sound awful with me saying this. It may be a little judgy and maybe this is the reason why I don't have friends. Um, <laughs> the people that would go search like a hobby. Yeah. I don't want to be friends with people oh. like that. <laughs> Oh, damn. I don't know, right? Like, there's a, there's something... Mm, well, maybe that's something, something to There's something, like, a little at. desperate about it. Is it? Or is a that actually, bit. like, you... And no shade if anyone has ever done this, by the way. showing up for yourself. No shade if I have... There's listeners out there who's been like, that. I just signed up for a tennis club. Or, or you know, you know I, there's no shade at all. So I found all my friends through, like, us working in the similar industry. So that you could like, say that's like a that's hobby. Fine. That's your hobby it's, right now. No, I get paid for. Hobbies you don't get paid for. But I'm saying that... There's a lot of things that maybe are in, in and I'm young by the way. You know? I just feel like that's not something young people do. Like it's okay if you do it, but I'm, I'm the I elder don't... here. <laughs> it just doesn't feel like something young people do. It actually, that's you, you know little, what? Listen, this that is real. A little dated, but it is real because I do think that there between twenty to thirty-five, you're in your like there. And some people aren't in this in this place, but typically 2035, you're like hunkered down on your right. career. You're that's just like, how, career, that's, career, that's career. And then, and I I hate to say it, this is an age thing, but it kind of feels like it because at a certain point, it just happens that you start thinking about things, which it's true. You start thinking about partnerships. You start thinking maybe kids. You start thinking about uh, creating that foundation, that next foundation in your life. And then that's when life becomes not just about your work, even though your work is a big part of your life. So I do think that there will be maybe a time where you're like, after doing this nonstop or versions of this nonstop for 15 years, <laughs> you might say to yourself like, I still love all this stuff, but I feel like I'm looking for more. There's something else, but like, 
that everyone has their own journey around that, by the way. No, and I think you can. I mean, even when you're younger, I think I think adding an age to it is a, a little dated, in my opinion. Because I, I mean, there's plenty of young people now because I think we're having certain conversations that older generations weren't having when we were when they were our age. Yeah, we're having these retrospective conversations about like what does relationships and friendships and all these things look like because we're going to therapy and we're looking mm-hmm. at mental health differently. And so I don't think you have to be a certain age to experience those things because I think a lot of times we're finding that out now I think I started having those conversations with myself when I was probably like you know 26 27 and trying to look at like okay I'm working so much but what's more than that right yeah, you're late 20 so I, I'm not gonna say it's not that it's ages there are certain, you are a little no but ageist. there are certain trends that happen there are tr- even trends in how we were you always develop ageist? behaviorally and like and psychologically as we continue our lives yeah. and you do get into phases there's like it's there's phases for when you're a teenager when you want independence from true, your parents because true. you're like horm- there's even it's shown that in order to develop yourself it's like even like animals do this you need to get away from your home but right? i think like, those are that's all, i think that's all changing because of the conversations that are being had at i mean these conversations are getting younger and think. younger and here's younger. what i think i do think what i see because i I do work with a lot of all people of all ages and also because I just I I have friends that are younger, you know. Yeah. Um so I have anything I do have a better perspective than maybe some other folks. But what I would say is I am really impressed and really amazed at the conversations right. and the, uh, the self-awareness of yeah. younger people. No, Like seriously. the conversations I'm having, whether it be, and you are 10 years younger than me, but even like early 20, like even younger than you. Yeah. I'm just like, wow, those weren't things that I was talking about. Right. Right. And partially, yeah, it's because it's the awareness, it's the access, it's there's just more openness, right, around these things because of where we're at in the world. Uh, So I do think there, but there is a difference between the awareness and conversation and actually then feeling like you're literally living through it, where you're like, finally, like the things, and I only say this because when I was, like 10 years ago, hearing from people that were my elders being like, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then, lo and behold, you get there and you're like, mother effer. <laughs> That's exactly the same thing they were telling me. And then I find myself, I actually caught myself because I live with someone that's older than me, right? Yeah. And I'm always saying this to him too. Oh, you're blah, 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 blah. And then I'm like, oh my God, I'm doing the same thing that they're doing to me. And it's like, it's just, <laughs> it's a cycle. It's always, it is a cycle. It's a cycle. It is a freaking cycle. That's the real circle of life the Lion King was trying to teach us about. Right. <laughs> OMG. So listen, I, I think it's just about figuring out what you want and figuring out ways to get it and, and, and showing up for yourself. And that looks differently for everyone. I agree. So there you have it. Some, oh, Monday motivation. No. Uh... You know, it is Monday. Anyway, coming up, we got what's trending this hour, the interaction between Lizzo and Chris Brown that's causing a big debate next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Lots coming up still on our show today and also more music here on Channel Q. So hang out with us because, you know, Instagram and Facebook are dying. Just saying. Uh, and we've got lots coming up. Did you up. think you weren't on air? I, for a second, I couldn't hear myself. You're here. Loud and clear Thank in my ears. Thank the Lord. And over the airwaves. The airwaves. The airwaves. <laughs> um, 
we have uh, this story coming up on the show, Beauty Culture, a Public Health Issue. This is really interesting. We've got a journalist who seems to think so joining us in 15 minutes to talk more about that. Plus, Lizzo's interaction with Chris Brown that's stirring up a big debate. That's in the Tea Report in a moment. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though. 99% of Hollywood crew workers just voted to authorize a strike. It's the first nationwide industry strike in 128-year history of the IATSE, which is the union that voted for this. The vote doesn't mean a strike is inevitable, but it does give those leaders potentially more leverage in contract negotiations with employers. Now, video released by Cops Today captures the moment a vandal on a skateboard, uh, skateboard tossed paint on a George Floyd statue in Union Square. A photo posted on Twitter shows what appears to be paint splattered on the statue that was also defaced days after it was first unveiled on Juneteenth in East Flatbush, Brooklyn. The statue was recently moved to the Manhattan Park, and NYPD are currently looking for that person. Finally, the CDC has released a set of guidelines on how to ring in the holiday safely in time of... Uh, Corona, you know, it's still happening, the pandemic. Of course, Halloween is coming up, and then it's Thanksgiving, then it's the other holidays, Christmas, New Year's. Oh, yeah. We're in the holiday season. My yeah, Hanukkah, goodness. my Jews, haven't forgotten about you. And they said, uh, regardless of the uh, your vaccination status, they advise holding virtual holiday soirees. I'm sure people are going to do this. Where family and friends celebrate via video chat. They're encouraged to throw virtual dance parties and collaborate with friends and family on a playlist, per the guidelines. <laughs> uh, with regards to presents, the CDC suggests that people take gifts and food to family, friends, and neighbors in a way that does not involve contact with others, like leaving them at the door. Of course, if brick-and-mortar shindigs are happening, hosts should hold the festivities outdoors, make sure that guests stand six feet apart. If gathering indoors, you should ensure there's plenty of fresh air by opening windows, doors, all that stuff. I mean, basically, it's the same thing we've had. They're just continuing to do that. I don't know if it'll make a difference because it seems like we've all got our own rules for this at this point. <laughs> right. so what, what you feel it works for you, just do that. Are you already planning stuff for the holidays, Ryan? Yeah, actually, I just had that conversation with my mom over the weekend. I think I'm going home for Thanksgiving and then Christmas. I think we're spending it in Hawaii. Oh, no. Yeah. Is it going to be with your mom and grandma? No, my grandmother is like too old to move. Okay, but um, it's gonna be it's gonna be like really it's gonna be really nice. fun. It's gonna be our first vacation Aww. that we're taking together as adults. This is gonna be interesting. Yeah, cause honey, I like to drink. I know, and my mother is a Bible thumping missionary. You might be surprised. I don't know. It, she's Mama gonna Slay have a God. heart attack once she finds out I'm taking edibles. <laughs> so you just gotta you know, you need to break it, break it to her. Take the leap. You know, I had that moment with my mom. Because my mom's very anti cannabis. Mm-hmm. She had uh, lace cannabis when she was like 17. And she oh, has not. I understand why. She has not gotten over it. I bet. And so I'll say something like, yeah, I'm having an edible, this or that, or, uh, or uh, other things. For my therapy, <laughs> right, okay. for my trauma that you put on me. Uh, and she'll just be so worried, which I get it. Well, when you say it like that, I would be worried too. Well, no, she's just worried about anything that has to do with <laughs> the D word. <laughs> anyway, Mom, I love you and I appreciate it. I know it's out of love, but you know, once you take the leap, Brian, it, it will just bring you together or, yeah. or um, have you apart for a moment. But let's get into some uh, tea. What's going on? Thanks for the hopefulness. <laughs> um, yeah, so Lizzo and Chris Brown, they ran into each other at a concert. And it turned into some mess. Oh. It's time for the tea report. Those pop, to- co- 
what am I saying? Pop culture stories trending right now. So, yeah, Lizzo and Chris Brown, they were backstage at a concert. And Lizzo saw Chris Brown, and I think, honestly, she was intoxicated. You know how when you're intoxicated, you see someone, you're just like, oh, my God, I love you. Well, a fan backstage caught this video, this interaction. It was just basically her saying, I love you so much. Can we take a picture together? Because you're my favorite person ever. That video mm-hmm. went on the internet. It's all over Twitter. Now Lizzo's getting dragged for wanting to take a picture of Chris mm-hmm. Brown because of, of course, Chris Brown's past, right? Yeah. And so, you know... I don't think we can really even drag Lizzo because Rihanna has made songs with Chris Brown after that whole thing. People have still, like, honestly made music with Chris Brown. And I think she was also really drunk at that moment. So if you're seeing someone you're a fan of, of course you're going to be like, I want to take your picture. She wasn't expecting someone to take a video of her in that reaction. And so I don't know. I think people are just being a little intense. Has he officially come out and apologized, taking accountability for that? Yeah, girl. That was like, there was interviews and everything around that time. Yeah. So, with that, it's, it I mean, goes back to can you I mean, but appreciate matter, an artist, though. like, even after they've done things that are unethical? Yeah, but that's the thing. It doesn't even really, like, matter, I guess, because I, once Chris Brown did what he did, it was kind of like, it's a done deal for him, you know what I mean? But yeah, it, it, this shows that, you know, you could still be a fan. Although, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think that it's. I, mean, it's, I want ass to take a picture of him. Me, me too. With him. Uh, I think that yeah, if if someone like Rihanna has come out and continued to move on, and she has. So, yeah, that's your tea report. Well. Is beauty culture a public health issue? We dive into that right after this and why it's become such a big debate. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. This story recently made headlines and it was really sad to discover this. Linda Evangelista, you know, the model, she came out sharing why she hasn't been in the headlines, right? And uh, her career kind of didn't happen like as we see other models careers continue hers kind of fell flat well she revealed that she was brutally disfigured and permanently deformed by a cool sculpting procedure yeah that's why i don't play with stuff like that yep and be careful (laughs) and one journalist spoke out about this talking about how beauty culture is a public health issue jessica defino joins us right now her work has appeared in the new york times vogue allure so many more she's an incredible creator welcome to the show Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're also the creator of the beauty newsletter, The Unpublishable, where this was at. So, Jessica, a lot of your work focuses on the impacts of mainstream beauty culture on our lives. Why did this resonate with you, and what can we learn from Linda's story? Sure. Um, Well, it really resonated with me because after she explained what had happened to her physically and the side effects and feeling, you know, deformed, she described this deep depression that she fell into and said she'd basically become a recluse. And that really resonated with me because it's it's very similar to my own story and how I got involved in the beauty industry. I had a really negative side effect of topical steroids, which I had been prescribed by a dermatologist that basically um, caused my skin to peel off for months. And I realized when that happened, you know, I couldn't put on makeup. I couldn't use skincare. I realized how much of my self-worth was tied up in my appearance. And when I couldn't perform this very specific type of beauty that our culture deems acceptable, I lost my self-worth completely and I withdrew from my life. I canceled plans with friends. I, you know, would call out sick from work. And it really alarmed me how deeply 
my appearance affected my ability to participate in life. Um, and I recognize that in Linda Evangelista's story, and, and I wanted to speak out about it. Yeah, I just, this is something, one, thank you for sharing your story. I think that's really important um, because it's, I think we, we often hear about beauty culture and the pros and cons to it always. I feel like that's a conversation that's been around for, I mean, the beginning mm-hmm. of time. How do you think it's changed and evolved as we see it now, right? Are we talking about different things? Are we looking at it through a more nuanced lens? Do you think it's evolved in the ways that's really getting people to understand the toxicity of beauty culture? Right. Yeah. You're you're on the nose saying that this has kind of always been around. Beauty standards have been around as long as patriarchy or white supremacy or colonialism has been around because that's where beauty standards evolve from. Um, but they are accelerating at a really rapid pace um, as our culture accelerates and as we are living in a more visual and virtual world than ever before. And just with the rapid acceleration of technology that we have created to sort of alter our appearance. Um, our, our brains were simply not made to handle this kind of scrutiny from others and from ourselves. And, um, yeah, I do think the acceleration of all of those things is accelerating the negative effects of beauty culture. Yeah, and, and with the work you do, you t- also talk about sustainability. I feel like on the other side of that, mm-hmm. it's really brought people together on the awareness of how we can do better and be better in terms of consumers. Yeah, exactly. It's so we have all of these products and procedures and practices that are supposed to help us feel more beautiful. Um, and what happens is they actually negatively impact our mental health. They can sometimes negatively impact our physical health, as we see with this cool sculpting um, example. And then the other thing is that they have a terrible impact on the environment. So we are polluting the earth with all of these sort of unnecessary products and um, chemical emissions and industrial waste from creating all of these products and procedures. And it's, it's really a game in which nobody wins. No. Yeah. And then how do you, how do you, I guess my thing is I I always wonder with these conversations, is it too late? Are are people so wrapped Mm -hmm. up into what society deems to be beautiful? Is it too late to change the narrative? I don't think it's too late. Um, I personally believe, and through my research in my work, I have come to find that beauty culture and these beauty standards stem from real systemic cultural issues. So, for example, until black Americans are not three and a half times more likely to be killed by police than white Americans, whiteness will continue to be the beauty ideal. Until fat people get equitable health care from our medical system, thinness will be able will be the beauty ideal. So I think that if we believe that we can challenge racism and white supremacy and fat phobia in our society, which I believe we do because we're actively fighting to change those issues. If we can change those things, we can change beauty culture because that is where beauty culture evolves from. Well, there you go. And she said everything I, I, I mean, say. I said that Jessica was going to be a great guest and you're amazing. Uh, where can people find you on Instagram? Because you do post some great things as well. Yeah, thank you. Um, my handle is Jessica Defino underscore. There you go. Well, Jessica, thank you as always for being here. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and check out Jessica DeFino's work. She's the creator of the beauty newsletter, The Unpublishable. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yeah. 
As queen. Social media influencer Bretman Rock has become the first gay man to grace the cover of Playboy magazine. And looks so good. Yes, it's a beautiful shot. Of course, he rose to fame from his makeup tutorials on YouTube. Playboy's October digital cover star has also launched his own beauty line, started his own MTV reality show, and has a pretty big audience, to say the least. More than 17 million Instagram followers, and he's an outspoken advocate for the LGBTQ community. And so this is a really big deal. I mean, making history. I mean, I love it. It's so big. It's really great. Yes. so go check that out. Support what he's up to, Bretman Rock on social media and Playboy.com. And that's our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. That also does it for our show today, but we are back here weekdays on Channel Q Live, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern, bringing you our show and as well as so much great music here on Channel Q. But on tomorrow's show, we're talking more about this IATSE strike happening in Hollywood and what it means for everyone from workers to those fans enjoying their shows. Plus, what is queer theory and why it's important? If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available mm-hmm. <laughs> and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light. And honey, remember to slay. Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris, where he's talking about how to heal from trauma from betrayal. Mm. That's next. Bye, y'all. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you.